Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All righty. Settle down. Settle down. <laughs> Everybody, settle down. We're yeah. back. Yes, hello. Hello. Relax. Yes. Calm down. We're, we're glad to be back. We are this week glad. at Whiskey and Wonder. Yes. Glad to have such a warm welcome from everybody. Yeah, it was so nice. Yes, it was. All those applause. Wonderful. Beautiful. I'm Tyler. And I'm Megan. And we're Whiskey and Wonder. Anybody that uh, is listening probably noticed I sound a little... Uh, janky? Yeah. Janky. I've got some congestion issues. Um, so I'm going to try to make do. If Hopefully you won't hear me cough or anything. I'm going to try to do it as far away from the mic as possible. And I apologize for everybody on YouTube that's going to have to watch me blow my nose. <laughs> I he tested negative for COVID yes, since yes. he was not going to have mentioned that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yes, I am COVID. I, I don't have COVID. I just have the crud. So we'll, yep. uh, that's why we're in person. I've already had COVID once, so hopefully hopefully I don't get it again. Um, <sighs> announcements. So... The yeah. same old, same old. Yeah. Check the store. Still got glasses. Still got stickers. Yep. The more important announcement. End of year. End of year special. So I had Shelby check the results today. And she said that there are enough results for one and a half person to have voted. And um, yeah. Uh, I don't really. I don't know think how there's got, a half person. I don't think there is. So, uh, and I know Shelby was probably the person that voted. M- maybe not. Maybe I maybe don't somebody know. Else did, but she said she went and voted. So, if you're listening to this, I beseech thee. Is that a is that a good word there? Yeah. I beseech thee to go out and check out whiskeyandwonder.com, and it's right there on the homepage, right under uh, a little description of the podcast. It's got all the whiskeys that we have done this year in 2021 up through, I believe, episode 54, 55, two or three episodes ago. Um, I might not have explained this correctly enough. So what we want is you can choose eight options on that survey. And we want you to choose eight options because we're going to blind taste test eight, the the eight most popular off yes. of that list. So vote for... Four, eight. Don't vote for two. Vote or four. Or four. Or six. Yes. Vote eight. Eight times. Yes. Click eight different whiskeys you want us to see. And if you only have like three, well, then might as well randomize yeah. the other five. Any, 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 mo. Yeah. We might end up with some terrible stuff to retry. To, <laughs> to blind, blind test. Um, if you are not a whiskey person and you listen to this podcast just for the wonder aspect, uh, vote for the whiskeys that are from your favorite episode. Yeah. Or that have the coolest names or whatever. Whatever. whatever you like. Yeah. Let's your vote. doesn't have to be a whiskey you've tried or a whiskey you liked. So, uh, the poll is up. It will close December 12th and that'll give us some time to purchase any whiskeys we may not have on hand. Um, hopefully, Hopefully most of these are stuff that we still have on hand, but we'll see. We'll cross that yep. bridge. Um, Again, I apologize, YouTube. Uh, and hopefully you guys are not hearing me in the microphone when I have to break away to cough. I hope not. Um, 
So again, we're Whiskey and Wonder. You can check us out and do our poll to help us do this wonderful event where we're going to get end up drunk. You can find all that at whiskeyandwonder.com. You can check us out on YouTube. Watch me blow my nose if you <laughs> have that sort of fetish. Uh, we're, uh, we're YouTube, Whiskey and uh, Wonder on yeah, YouTube. YouTube.com slash Whiskey and Wonder. Um, uh, Instagram, we're at Whiskey Podcast. And uh, yeah, email us contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Yes, please. We'll feature you in our mail time segment, which we haven't had. I think we've had one email in the last like two months. So please email us. Even it's, if it's, you know, the, yeah. the same people reaching out over and over. At um, least they're talking to us. Yes. <laughs> um, if you want to donate, you can donate uh, paypal.me slash whiskey and wonder, patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder. And we just want to say thanks. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody that does donate and does support this. We're, you know, it helps us keep doing this. We're getting these whiskeys, you know, and, and the donations really help for us for to. Sure get the whiskeys and upgrade our equipment and keep making this happen. So for sure, we appreciate that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move on. All right. The open segment. All right. So I feel like every week since we've done the open segment, before we start recording, Tyler will start telling me something, and he'll go, well, wait, wait, wait. I'll tell you this later. And, and I did it again today. Yep. So now I'm like, okay, continue what you were saying. <laughs> All right. So a couple months ago, not even not even a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, um, Shelby's parents, I guess they were just on the phone, or she was on the phone with her mom or whatever, mm-hmm. and said, hey, we're going to Maui. For a week, you guys should come. <laughs> yeah, okay. They live in California. Oh, we live in North Carolina. Bit of a difference. Yeah, I'm not paying a thousand dollars, eight eight hundred to a thousand dollars to fly to Hawaii. Uh, plus, Mm-mm. plus staying in car and all the other crap out there. Yeah, can't make it happen. Well, lo and behold. This past week, I was at work, and I am going to shamelessly plug Scott's Cheap Flights. I signed up for that. I think it's $50 a year, and they alert me to flights out of certain airports that are extremely discounted. Monday, lo and behold, guess what pops up? Maui. A flight to Maui for $233 round trip. (laughs) Round trip? Round trip. With a layover in Denver. You get to go to my home. Uh, For less than an hour, but yes. (laughs) Well, two on the way back. Oh my gosh. What? So I like was freaking out at work in the middle of something. Texting Shelby like, when are your parents going to Maui? Let me know. Let me know. And I just happened to randomly pick. I knew it was sometime in February. And I just happened to randomly pick the week that they were going. So... Shelby and I are going to Maui with her parents in February. We're going, we're going to have to miss a, a week, <laughs> another week, because we're going on another trip in December. Um, so it just so happens her parents are going in for, they're going to be there two days before we get there. Then we're going to be there for about five days together. 
Uh, maybe it's maybe it's like four days together, and then we're going to be there two days after they leave. Um, so we were able to all go in together on a condo that's oceanfront Jesus. on the west coast of Maui. Oh, my goodness. Literally seems like it's 50, 50 yards maybe from the beach, Ugh. just straight down to the beach. Um, You're so bad at social media, but I need you to take pictures. Oh, please. I'm taking my camera. Okay. I'm taking my drone too. Okay. Apparently, Amazing. apparently, that's the time of the year the whales. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my god! Do their thing on the oh. on the west side of the island. So, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be out there droning over some whales. That's so cool. Yeah, so it's gonna be a fun time. Um, so that that is my big news, I guess, of for the week. How about wow. you? How's your congratulations on going to Maui? Thanks. I, I can see the jealousy <laughs> radiating off of you. Am I turning a little green? Um, mm, your hair's <laughs> a little bluish green. Um, I'm listening to a book on Audible that I can't stand, but I'm not a quitter, so I'm forcing myself to listen to all of it. Um, I'm not gonna throw. What? <laughs> I know. I'm not going to throw shade at the author or the actual book because uh, I don't want to get sued for slander. But it's, it's not slander if it's your personal opinion. Okay, well, it sucks. Uh, it's. I'm curious. I want to know what it is. I think it's called Daughter-in-Law, and it's supposed to be this mystery. I think it's supposed to be a mystery. I don't know. All it has been so far is like the world's most narcissistic, absolutely ridiculous stepmom, mother-in-law trope you can imagine. And it's just, it's been horrible. And I hate every, every second I'm listening to it. Well. I have three hours left and it's like a 12 hour book. So I've, I'm over, I'm almost over. <laughs> I, uh. You get Maui, I get book. Bad book, it sounds like. Yep, bad book. Not even good book, bad book. Oh boy. <gasps> um. Yep. Well, you can you can look and see if those flights are still left. I don't think they will be <laughs> on Monday, but I'm just gonna crash your Maui vacation. <laughs> let me let me. Well, no, it was it was from November to March. They had different. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they had like ranges of flights. That's insanity. Um, yeah, I've I've got to get rid of the. Uh, I I can't renew Scotch cheap flights. I have burned through all of my vacation that I have saved up over three years. In less than a year, your vacation rolls over. Yeah, I can. I can roll nice. up to. Uh, it's in hours, so it's like two hundred and fifty hours worth of vacation over. Wow, which is, that must be nice. Yeah, that's that's like three over three weeks of vacation. That's exactly what it is. It's two hundred forty hours that you can roll over. It's three weeks of vacation. Wow. Yeah, but when you've been there for thirty years and you accrue like. Six weeks of vacation a year. Yeah. You've got to burn that. I mean, yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> but, yep, so. Uh, anyway, I've got to get rid of Scott's cheap flights because it keeps taking my money and it keeps taking my vacation time. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, well, I guess we'll move on after that. That's been the highlights of that our week. That was weeks. some unbalanced fucking open segment. And I apologize to YouTube for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Where are we going here? Opening the bottle.
All right. I am super excited for this week's whiskey. This is another Colorado uh, whiskey um, that me papa brought from my home. Oh, Papa Cross. Thank you so much, Papa Cross. This is 10 cup straight rye mountain whiskey. And if you're on YouTube, you'll notice there's a 10 cup on it. 10 cup on the top. I got so excited when I saw that. Um, yes, it's a little like tin measure shot glass dude. Um, yeah. So. And and now it has a Megan hair on it. (laughs) I shed. Just sorry. Uh, So do I. A salute to Colorado and American history. Tin cup rye has been crafted to celebrate the original rye recipes enjoyed by settlers and miners of tin cup. Colorado, with a taste that matches the bold spice and spirit of the Old West. Uh, I'm struggling. The plastic's still on. (laughs) That's okay. I still have more to read about them. Um, So Tin Cup was an old mining town set on the western side of the Rockies, named after the old cups that miners would drink from. The name Tin Cup Whiskey and the cap on the bottle are both nods to this piece of Colorado history. And I have been to Tin Cup, um, and it's pretty pretty darn cool. So this is a quote from their founder, Jess Graber or Graber. I think it's Graber, so I'm going to go with Graber. Uh, Jess Graber is also one of the co-founders of uh, Stranahan's Whiskey, which is another whiskey based out of Colorado. We have done them. Yes, we did their sherry, uh, sherry cask. I've been distilling since 1972. I made tin cup in honor of Colorado's first whiskey drinkers and the tin cups they drank from. It is inspired by and made for the mountains. I really hope you enjoy it. Life is too short to drink bad whiskey. Amen, brother. Gorgeous. That made me think of that song. Hey, brother. <laughs> what is it? Do you still believe in love, I wonder? Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to sing it on the podcast, but I know what you're talking about. All right, so Tyler is now pouring this golden amber uh, colored rye. You're, you won. Oh, yes, you beat the cup yes, or the I, bottle? I beat the, the plastic. That's impressive. I'm very proud of you. Very exciting. Um, trying to think of the last time we did a rye. Life all blurs together. It was not that long ago, actually. You did not pour this very well. It's uh, too much. No, you poured some on the side of the bottle. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm playing handicap today. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You asked when we did a rye on the ep- on episode 54. Okay. That was the Woody Creek Distillery Colorado Straight 100% Rye Whiskey. Okay, so like real you, reason. You gave it a 10. <laughs> Big shocker. Oh, shut up, Tyler. <laughs> hey, I gave it an 8 if that puts it in so perspective. That's still a good whiskey. I'm not saying it was bad. I, I enjoyed it. So my first impression from smelling this whiskey, um, and I realized, Tyler, I don't know how, how well you're going to be able to smell it. Um, so I guess... We're going to see. My first ins- impression is definitely something um, citrusy, um, maybe a orange um, or something in the orange family. Um, 
Mm, hint so. of vanilla. So orange vanilla, kind of creamsicle-y, I would, I would call it. Um, did you get uh, anything, Tyler? I did. Um, I just want to go ahead and preface this by saying I have been sucking on honey lemon cough drops for the past, I don't know, several hours. So my taste buds might be a little off on this episode, but they're normally not that spot on anyway. So, All right. What what are you smelling there, my friend? Uh, so I'm sorry. I only have the use of one side of my nose. Damn deviated <laughs> septum. Um, man, this is tough. Wow. I guess I mean being being um stopped sick. up. Yeah, being stopped up is making this pretty difficult on you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I definitely can still smell it. I can't pinpoint. It didn't really burn. Uh, it didn't really burn my nose hair. Sorry for the sniffle into the microphone, guys. <clears throat> um, well, I'm going it, with creamsicle yeah. smell. That's I, that's I definitely fine. get citrus out of it, um, and there's definitely some vanilla, uh, something sweet in there, but that's about all I can pick out. So we are supposed to be smelling... Um, a no-frills blend of young rye grain and spicy oak with jabs of vanilla, orange, lemon, and a slight hint of custard and dill. I would say, yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. I would agree with um, what I'm smelling. Probably the the creamsicle I'm hitting is more of that like custard and vanilla. Um, and there's always there's always a little bit of dill in rye. I think I can't think of a a rye that hasn't had a dill flavor yeah. to it. So I agree, and that was something I was looking for but wasn't finding. I think now that I've I know it's in there, I think I can like force myself to find it. Uh, I agree with you. Now that I've just kind of excuse me cleared everything out, I definitely get creamsicle. I can smell. Much more. So, uh, I don't know necessarily if I agree with the term custard. I because truthfully, what it does for me is uh, the the brewery where I work at has a creamsicle seltzer at the moment. Is it good? I don't like creamsicle. Oh, like but it. it tastes just like creamsicle, and to get the sweet, not to give away any trademark. Trade secrets. Trade secrets, <laughs> but um, let's just say marshmallow is the flavor that I'm picking hmm. out instead of custard. Okay. So. Huh. Interesting. Um, so I just saw you take a sip. What do you think? Um, very interesting. Um, definitely orange. 100% that is the citrus I'm getting. Um without any doubt or stretch of the imagination, there is a um, leathery or um, some sort of like leathery or tobacco-y or hmm. man flavor. Musk. Yeah, man musk flavor in uh, the middle right after the orange starts to fade away. Um, I need to probably take another sip yeah. to I... get another... So w- one thing I noticed is it didn't, <clears throat> I didn't get anything initially on my tongue. 
That might be me being sick. You're, I actually didn't either. It took okay. a second to yeah, like it, it's got to announce the mids itself before yeah. it even does anything. Definitely orange, followed up by a quick mint, strong burst of mint, and then like uh, that's the burn that I'm getting. It, it definitely has a a good burn, orange mint burn, not overpowering by any means. That fades into that kind of leathery, earthy musk. Um, that you were describing. And then as it went down, it kind of, the burn is, it's lingering, but it's comfortable. This is like, this is the ideal time of year to have this. Yes. In my opinion, because it's like, uh, for once in my life, I agree with Megan and notice she's not wearing a uh, jacket. If you're on YouTube, (laughs) I agree. It's a little chilly in here today. And this is very, very good for that weather for me. Yes. Um, Tyler, you said everything I was thinking. So, yeah, um, you get the orange and there is the burn after that burst burn, which is what you're calling the mint. I guess it would be kind of a minty burn. It's, it's a minty it's burn. Not it's not a spice not burn. Spice. That's what I mean by that. Yeah. Um, and then it fades into leathery, tobacco-y, musky, um, leftover but it does leave a trail of fire down your throat um, and it kind of sits right in your chest and kind of keeps you warm. Um, it's definitely something I would picture a miner working in 10 cup Colorado to want a drink after a long day. So, I mean, that that's a victory, I guess for them. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I was worried it might be some gut rot. When it was like talking about, oh, this is what the the pioneers and the miners would drink <laughs> on the way across. Gut rot? <laughs> uh, uh, but no, this is this is much higher quality than gut rot. So uh the first thing you'll notice is the palate's lightness. It flirts with being too watered down at first until some of the sweetness and spicy notes pull through. So yeah, that's that initial. It doesn't have a, a overpowering taste at the taste. front. Yeah, yeah. Um, it takes a minute on your tongue before you really start getting the flavors. I, I um, would go as far to say as there's just no front end on this whiskey. Yes, it's just it it starts in the mids. One hundred percent. I yeah. would agree with that. There is no front. Um, this person tasted creaminess, um, custard. Baking spice, which I'm assuming they mean like all spice, um, grass, and black pepper. I don't agree with their glass grass. I don't agree with their black pepper. Um, I'm with Tyler. It's it's an orange. It's a mint. It's a tobacco leather musk. I'm, I'm glad the smell was creamsicle, and there was not the taste. Not the taste. Like I said, I, I'm just not a fan of that flavor. So that has made me happy. Um, the finish is a hot and peppery aftertaste. The spicy notes remind you you're drinking a rye. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, um, I'm into it. We'll see uh, where to go from here yeah. as time goes on. I'm, I'm excited to put uh, a drop of water in there. As we get towards the end today, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you have any water. 
I don't, so you're going to have to be the dropper for me. Okay. I've got uh, this water that was left here from last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. You enjoy that yeah. cold water uh, in your whiskey. Yeah, it'll be fine. All right. So I reckon it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. It's time for the wonder segment. All right, guys, it is my week. Um, it feels like it's been like a month since I've done um, a wonder segment. Uh, I guess we just had that time off and I don't know, it feels like forever. So I'm super excited about what we're going to uh, wonder about today. I want to talk about <sighs> the wonders of space. Ooh. Now, in full disclosure, are you going to bring this up later? Yes. Okay. What you had me do? Yes. Okay. So one hundred percent. Never mind. Then I'll uh, I'll just let Megan drive. <laughs> All right. You sit down. Stop side seat driving. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just gonna crawl in the back seat and pass out and drink. <laughs> there are two quotes that I'd like to get us started with today. Both were said by Carl Sagan, a man who deserves his own wonder segment one day. For some context, the late and great Carl Sagan was an American astronomer. He is known as an astrobiologist, astrophysicist, cosmologist, and planetary scientist. While every aspect of his research is groundbreaking and amazing, arguably one of the most impressive things Sagan did is bring an interest in space science to the masses. In 1980, he wrote the 13-part docuseries Cosmos, A Personal Voyage. And the series is still PBS's most widely watched series in history. For Tyler, Carl Sagan is the scientist who wrote the Voyager Golden Record and the Pioneer Plaque, both of which are intended to give extraterrestrial species insight into our planet and species. I did not know Carl Sagan wrote that. Yep. This might sound familiar because it was the subject of last, uh, last episode's Trivia with Tyler, and is one of the things that has successfully made my co-host cry. (laughs) Anyway, Carl Sagan has said, quote, The size and age of the cosmos are beyond ordinary human understanding. Lost somewhere between immensity and eternity is our tiny planetary home. And we are like butterflies who flutter for a day and think it is forever. Both are so incredibly fitting. Our universe is vast and mysterious in ways that I doubt we as a species will ever be able to fully fathom, even if intergalactic space travel one day becomes a thing. The size of the universe is unfathomable, and even after watching numerous videos, I still can't quite wrap my head around its scale. I linked Tyler the video to watch before we recorded so he can get some more in-depth understanding than what I'm about to come up with. I will also link them on our socials once this episode goes live. Um, and Tyler is going to put them in the show, mo- show notes as well. So you yes. can go and watch this YouTube video um, and it'll kind of help put the scale in. It, you, the visual will help, hopefully. I don't want to turn this into a bunch of scientific jargon and lots of mathematical equations, so I'm going to 
try to put everything we talk about today into layman's terms. I can't promise I'll be successful. And I want everyone listening, particularly new listeners, to remember that I am in no way an astronomer. I do not have a degree in anything space-related, so let's keep that in mind. I want to try to put into understanding just how massive our universe is. And I'm talking about the observable universe. The actual universe is fractal, meaning that there is no smallest or largest point. Don't think too hard about it. Basically, the size cannot be quantified. Infinity. Yes. Um, We don't know if there's an end or a beginning or anything. But our observable universe we can see and we can measure. So you might have heard the difference between $1 million and $1 billion is about a billion dollars. $1 million is 0.1% of $1 billion. 0.1% is itself pretty hard to imagine being only one one one-thousandth of a thing. Let's make an even bigger scale. The University of Hawaii estimated that there are 7 quintillion 500 quadrillion grains of sand on Earth. This is an extremely rough estimate, but is as accurate as scientists can currently get. Scientists also estimate that there are 10,000 stars to one grain of sand. That's equal to about 70,000 million, 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 or 76 trillion stars in the visible universe. So 0.0001% if I'm doing the math right. But these numbers are getting confusing and ridiculous. Scientists rely on the power of 10 to help explain numbers when they start reaching these astronomical levels. The power of 10 is 10 multiplied by itself a certain number. (laughs) The power of 10 is 10 multiplied by itself by a certain number, any number. That is also explained as any integer of the number 10. For example, 10 to the power of 2, which is 10 squared or 100 or 10 to the power of 3, which is 10 cubed, which is 1,000, etc., etc., ad infinitum. Remember the video I talked about earlier? This is probably time to log uh, into our socials and go into the show notes and uh, check it out real quick. Yeah, I would say it it does a pretty good job of explaining that. Um, You know, the various... Powers of 10, and it puts them in a good perspective of the everyday person. Yes. So. Yes. Um, 10 to the negative 35 meters is the smallest measurable distance, known as the Planck length. Anything smaller than this is so minuscule that it becomes irrelevant. Just like this fact, which has literally nothing to do with my topic, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, I want to butt in here for a second. Okay. That is actually was the most fascinating part of that video to me. Yeah. I did not know that existed and I never really thought about it, but, and not to get too crazy with it, go watch the video. They'll do a lot better explanation of it than I will. But essentially it's such a short distance that a photon of light travels across it in an amount of time that we cannot measure. We can't measure any faster And so theoretically, 
at that point, anything smaller than that is traveling faster than light. Yes. And so if you know anything about science, without light, there's no existence. So essentially nothing exists below. Maybe not. There's no existence, but. Uh, this is Ant-Man like going into the quantum realm. Basically, yeah. you're getting oh, okay. you're getting too small. Um, you're yeah, going you, past the point of what existing. exists. Yeah. Um, which is what um happened to the original Wasp in the MCU. That's Spoilers. even more layman's terms. Yes. I've just never seen that movie. Well, I know ninety five percent of the world has. So. I, yeah, I know you. You put it in better <laughs> better terms than I could have. All right, 10 to the power of 7 meters is the size of the Earth, which is 12,700 kilometers in diameter. The Sun is 10 to the power of 9 meters, 1.4 million kilometers diameter. 10 to the power of 13 meters is known as a light day because it is exactly how far light travels within 24 hours. At this point, it is further than any human or probe has traveled. At fourteen, at 10 to the power of 14 meters, our solar system would appear only as a small pinprick of light like any star we currently observe in the night sky. At 10 to the power of 16 meters, the sun's gravity no longer affects anything because other stars are much stronger. At 10 to the power of 17 meters, we reach the pillars of creation, which I will explain more in depth in a little bit later on. At 10 to the power of 21 meters, we finally see the Milky Way galaxy in its entirety. Every star you can see in the night sky exists within our galaxy. At 10 to the power of 22 meters, we reach our neighboring galaxy, Andromeda. In a clear night with zero light pollution, you could see Andromeda in the night sky with a simple pair of binoculars. 10 to the power of 23 meters is the local group. The local group is basically the community of galaxies that exists near the Milky Way. We are the second largest, beaten out just by Andromeda. The local group is part of the Virgo cluster, which is like the local group except a lot bigger. If the local group is a neighborhood, the Virgo cluster is the city. There are approximately 1,500 galaxies within the Virgo cluster. At 10 to the power of 24 meters, we reach the Great Attractor, which, like the Pillars of Creation, I will explain more in a little bit. At 10 to the power of 26 meters away, 10 billion light years, we reach the Hercules Corona Borealis Wall, the largest known object in the universe. I will also talk more about it in a little bit. And at 10 to the 27th meters, we reach the end of the observable universe. This is as far as humans currently can go. And maybe it is as far as we ever will be able to. 10 to the power of 27 is an octillion. We reach the end of the universe. We reach the end of the universe as we can see it at an octillion meters. That is a billion, billion, billions, which is a one with 27 zeros 
behind it. Just write a one and then write 27 zeros behind it. That is a huge number. So one thing that I learned in uh, college, obviously I went to school and I'm a geologist, geology major, and they deal with one. I learned a lot about these, this sort of thing and the universe's uh, creation and how it's 13.7 billion years old, how rocks are dated millions and billions of years old. You want to know the simple way I remember it? What? It's a really big fucking number. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> I mean, that's the simplest way to yeah. think about it. It's a long ass time ago. Longer than... Uh, you longer know, than long. Yeah. Longer like than long. Yeah. It's unfathomable. Like I mentioned before, this is unfathomable. Essentially, Yes. Even every individual grain of sand on the entire planet only equals into the quintillions, which has 18 zeros behind it. And even that is hard, if not impossible, to picture. This is so hard to put into words and truly explain the scale. I did the best I could, but it's absolutely ridiculous. So... The universe is big. It is bigger than big could ever big, basically. It's real big. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on, you've probably heard of a nebula, but if you aren't a space enthusiast, you might not know what a nebula is. A nebula, plural is nebulae, is a giant cloud of dust and gas in space. Nebulae exist in the space between the stars, known as interstellar space. Some nebulae are formed from the gas and dust of the explosion of a a dying star. Others are regions where new stars are beginning to form. These nebulae are are known as star nurseries. The dust and gases in a nebula are very spread out, but gravity can slowly begin to pull together clumps of their dirt and, and gas. And as these clumps get bigger and bigger, their gravity gets stronger and stronger. Eventually, the clump of dust and gas gets so big that it collapses from its own gravity. The collapse causes the material at the center of the cloud to heat up, and this hot core is the beginning of a star. You've seen pictures of nebulae. Even if you don't realize you've seen these pictures, they tend to be very gorgeous. Um... And it looks like someone has just drawn something. It doesn't even look like an actual picture. Um, But I encourage you to go look at some of the pictures the Hubble uh, telescope has taken of nebulae. They are amazing. Particularly the pillars of creation. The pillars of creation are towering tendrils of cosmic dust and gas that exist in the Eagle Nebula. They are an active star-forming region within the Eagle Nebula, and newborn stars are hidden within those wispy columns. Each tower is between four to five light years long. That's actually relatively small. The Eagle Nebula itself is between 55 and 70 light years in diameter. You could see the Eagle Nebula from your backyard, best in July, if you're in possession of a small telescope. 
However, to zoom in on the pillars of creation, a large telescope is needed and the viewing conditions must be optimal. Uh, I have a quick question. Yes. Does that specify to the northern versus southern hemisphere or do you have any idea? Mm, I'm sure it did when I did my research, but why would I put the direction down? Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I just know there are some things that like the northern hemisphere sees at certain times of the year and the, obviously the southern hemisphere wouldn't see them. So I was just curious if you had that. Nope. Y'all go Google it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over a year in and we're still not the best at our job. Yeah, well, you know. It's part of our charm. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's part of our charm. Sadly, scientists believe that the pillars of creation were destroyed 6,000 years ago by a supernova shockwave. The distance of the pillars to Earth is approximately 7,000 light years. So if this theory is true in 1,000 years' time, we should no longer be able to see the pillars of creation. One of the greatest mysteries in our universe is the Great Attractor. Our galaxy and other nearby galaxies are all being pulled toward this specific region of space. It's like we are tethered to a fishing pole and being reeled in to whatever this thing is. The Great Attractor is 150 million light years away. And we're not sure what it is. The biggest reason we don't know what the Great Attractor is is because it lies in an area known as the Zone of Avoidance. The ZOA is an area of sky that is obscured by our own Milky Way's galactic plane. There is so much gas and dust that we can't really see into its visible spectrum. So we don't have any idea what could be pulling us in. It must be something massive. Maybe it's something fantastical or supernatural. Chances are, scientists will never be able to exactly confirm what it is, at least in our lifetime. When evidence of the Great Attractor was first discovered in the 1970s, we had no way to see through the zone of avoidance. But while that region blocks most of the visible, visible light from beyond, the gas and dust doesn't block... Oh, I just scrolled real fast. <clears throat> Uh-oh. The gas and dust doesn't block as much infrared and x-ray light. As x-ray astronomy became more powerful, we could start to see objects within that region. What we found was a large supercluster of galaxies in the area of the Great Attractor known as the Norma Cluster. It has a mass, about, a mass of about 1,000 trillion suns. That's thousands of galaxies. And while the Norma cluster is massive and our local galaxies are moving towards it, it doesn't explain the full motion of local galaxies. The mass of the Great Attractor isn't large enough to account for the pull. But despite scientists not being able to confirm in our lifetime what the Great Attractor is, they do have a pretty good idea. And sadly, it isn't anything magical. Most likely, it's another, even larger cluster of galaxies that is pulling everything towards it, and we just can't see past the debris. There is something much larger and more mysterious than the Great Attractor, though, and that is the Hercules Corona Borealis Great Wall. The Great Wall is known as the largest structure in the entire observable universe. It is 10 
billion light years long, 7 billion light years wide, and 1 billion light years deep. It would take light 10 billion light years to cross the wall once. The universe is only 13.8 billion years old, according to scientists. Earth has only been a planet for about four and a half billion years, which means the light that started at one end of the Great Wall hasn't even made it halfway across the Hercules-Corona-Borealis Wall since our planet formed. This is so big that it breaks the laws of physics. Frankly, the Great Wall is so big it shouldn't even be possible to exist. It was only discovered in 2013, and astronomers, astronomers, <laughs> I'm from Jersey. Oh, I totally fucked up that accent. Lasted oh, for a second. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, don't save that. Don't save that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I saved something earlier, too. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> it was only discovered in 2013, and astronomers are actively working to unlock its secrets. Reveal to us your secrets. <laughs> oh my god, it scrolled really fast again. Oh no. Um, okay. That YouTube video goes into specific detail on how it breaks the laws of physics by ignoring the cosmological principle, which states that wherever you are in the universe, you should be able to look in any direction and see an even distribution of matter. Blah, blah, blah. Science. Let's move on to talk about novas. Just leave it at it's really freaking cool and it breaks the laws of physics. Yeah. And who knows what's behind it or anything else. So Maybe that's the border to uh, other universes. Yeah. Maybe. It could be. Maybe <laughs> if we had a spaceship that moved the universe around the ship instead of flying through the universe, we could fly there, look across, and see a universe where everybody wears cowboy hats. <laughs> For any anybody that uh, anybody that listens, do you get that? You do. Okay, thank God. No, that is a Futurama reference. For anybody that's listening and doesn't get that, I didn't think you were going there. Oh yes. Um. So that's why it broke me a little when you said cowboy hats. I thought you were going to like. I don't know. Yeah. No, <laughs> Not that's Futurama. Where I was going. <laughs> um. But yeah, the Great Wall could be. Um, the wall between other universes, it it could be where heaven is if you're a person that believes in that thing. Um, it could be, who knows? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It breaks. It, it shouldn't exist, and mm -hmm. it does. It We've literally it. breaks physics. So, I don't know. My BFF Jill. What? It was a commercial when we were in high school. Oh, IDK, my BFF, Jill. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Millennials. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to talk about novas. I'm sure you've heard both the term nova and supernova. And you'd think that those are the same, just at different scales. But that's not the case. A supernova ends in star death. A nova just ends. A nova is a star that momentarily brightens. When a white dwarf, the dead remnant of a star like our sun, absorbs too much material from a binary companion, 
This borrowed hydrogen undergoes fusion, which causes it to brighten up significantly, pumping up to 100,000 times more energy off into space. Imagine two sun-like stars are orbiting each other. Tons of years pass, and one of the stars runs out of fuel, expanding into a red giant, and then it contracts back down into a white dwarf. As a white dwarf, it is dead. Some years later, the second star begins the same process as its friend. It expands into a red giant, and now you have a red dwarf and a white dwarf dancing around each other. Material is streaming off of the red dwarf and onto the smaller sun. The white dwarf ends up getting piled in a blanket of stolen material. It's hydrogen, so it begins to fuse as if it were the core of a star. But it isn't the core. It's the skin of the star. So the skin catches fire and then blasts off into space. The white dwarf brightens in the sky, sometimes becoming visible by the naked eye when it wasn't before. It eventually fades back to its original brightness. With some stars, this seems to happen on a pattern, brightening multiple times in a century. Others we have observed only once, and then we haven't seen them brighten again. A supernova is a blast of an extremely bright, super-powerful explosion of a star. This happens when a massive star, five times bigger than the mass of our sun, dies. It goes out with a huge bang because stars burn nuclear fuel at their cores. This this obviously creates a ton of energy and, by extension, heat. Heat creates pressure, which keeps the star from collapsing. And a star is always in balance as the pressure keeps its gravity from collapsing in on itself. Eventually, however, the star runs out of nuclear fuel. And when it does... The pressure drops, gravity wins, and the star collapses. Normally, this would form a nebula. But but sometimes in massive explosions, it will form a black hole. Contrary to its name, a black hole is not a hole at all. It is not empty space. It is instead a massive amount of matter squeezed into a tiny space. The gravitational field is so strong compared to its size that nothing, not even light, can escape. Albert Einstein's theory of relativity re- <laughs> Albert Einstein's theory of relativity predicted black holes and since scientists and since scientists have proven their existence. That was a whole English sentence. <laughs> Quote Scientists can't directly observe black holes with telescopes that detect X-rays, lights, or other forms of electromagnetic radiation. We can, however, infer the presence of black holes and study them by detecting their effect on other matter nearby. If a black hole passes through a cloud of interstellar matter, for example, it will draw matter inward in a process known as accretion. A similar process can occur if a normal star passes close to a black hole. In this case, the black hole can tear the star apart as it pulls toward itself. As the attracted matter accelerates and heats up, it emits X-rays that radiate into space. Recent discoveries offer some tantalizing evidence that black holes have a dramatic influence on the neighborhoods around them emitting powerful gamma-ray bursts 
devouring nearby stars and spurring the growth of new stars in some areas while stalling it in others. End quote. A neuron star is the collapsed core of a massive supergiant star. Supergiants are rare and typically short-lived. Because they are so incredibly bright, you can often observe them in the night with a naked eye. Rigel is a supergiant and is the brightest star in the Orion constellation, which you can see if there's not light pollution around. Or clouds. Or clouds. <laughs> um, last week, re- re- I, I just want to take a moment to touch on it. I don't know if you did or did not um, have it coming later in your notes, but there's actually a black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. I decided not to talk about that. Okay. Well, uh, there's a little extra Tyler nugget for you. There you go. It's like when you go to Chick-fil-A and they throw, you get an eight count, but you get nine nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's like. Ah, uh, that's so satisfying. Last week, we received a mail from friend Sam asking us to research a kilonova, which is what I want to end this episode with. A kilonova is still a relatively new discovery, first seen in 2013, and has only been witnessed a handful of times. <coughs> Called a kilonova because they tend to be at least a thousand times brighter than a regular nova, but they're only a fraction of a supernova. A kilonova occurs when two neuron stars merge, or a neuron star and a black hole merge. In November of 2020, kilonovas went viral among space enthusiasts because of a super bright kilonova that scientists observed. On November 20th, 2020, scientists observed the most luminous kilonova yet to be discovered. Quote, The flash included far more infrared light than predicted, 10 times more. The scientists behind the new research think that discrepancy may mean the crash produced something unexpected. Quote, These observations do not fit traditional explanations for short gamma ray bursts. Wei, Wen Fong, I'm so sorry. Wen Fai Fong, an astronomer at Northwestern University in Illinois and lead author on the new research, said in a statement. Given what we know about radio and x-rays from this blast, it just doesn't match up. End quote. Though there were a host of facilities that studied the kilonova, it was of course the Hubble Space Telescope that told the astronomers something particularly strange was going on. Quote, Surprisingly, we found much brighter infrared emission than we ever expected, suggesting that there was additional energy input from a magnetar that was the remnant of the merger. Um, end quote. Berger said, who's another one of the scientists working on it. But the fact that we see this infrared emission and that it is so bright shows that short gamma ray bursts indeed form from neuron star collisions. But surprisingly, the aftermath of the collision may not be a black hole, but rather likely a magnetar, end quote. 
Magnetar is not a Pokemon, despite oh. how much it sounds like one. I was just thinking that would be <laughs> what um, Magneton would evolve into. Oh, my God. We have the same brainwave right now. <laughs> That's why we're friends. Um, Space.com defines a Magnetar as a cosmic curiosity, an unusual class of supermagnetic neutron stars. But scientists have always wondered how they become so magnetic. And this kilonova might be the answer to that question. But we won't be able to confirm for several years as astronomers make follow-up observations. Because we don't have much information on kilonovas, astronomers continue to study them and come up with theories. Kilonovas are thought to be the initiators of short gamma-ray bursts which are the brightest and most energetic electromagnetic events known to occur in the universe. They are also thought to be the primary producer of stable R-process elements. In nuclear physics, R-process is the rapid neutron-capable process and is responsible for half of the atomic nuclei heavier than iron. We will have to revisit the topic of kilonovas in a few years, as the science and research behind them grows. And I'm sure that's not super satisfying to everyone who wanted to know more about them, but frankly, there's just not a lot of confirmed information on kilonovas. They're still so new, and we've only observed so few of them that we're just not 100% sure. This is the cutting edge of science. Yes. Of astronomy, of... Of the future. Yeah, the the solar system learning about it. This is... Yeah. This is... This is is literally... Yeah. The the end. This is it. This is what they're doing right now. That's incredible. Yes. Um, So I'm super excited to revisit kilonovas in a few years um, as the science behind them grows and we learn more. Um. I don't know a whole lot about magnetars. I only researched them a little bit, but I know a whole lot about our process um, and knowing that or assuming that a kilonova is the primary producer of stable our process elements is, is a very big deal. It's a very big discovery um, in the world of science and and I mean science in general, yeah. So, um, super interesting. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on here. Um, yes, I, I have said several times I am a geologist. I went to school for geology. But every chance I could, I took any sort of astronomy or planetary geology or any, any, any kind of class, any elective mm-hmm. I could take on this because I learned pretty early on in college that I couldn't do the math to go into physics, but I wanted so badly to be an astrophysicist Mm -hmm. and to be an astronomer. And if I was smart enough, if I could do numbers well enough, I would be in this field. We have a mutual friend that was a physicist. I wonder if we could convince him to come on here and talk to us. Yes. I'm sure a lot of it would like fly over our heads, but... He has a nice speaking voice, too. It'd be fun to just hear him talk. Yes, it would. <laughs> and he can talk about anything. So. Yes. Um, 
the friend who you are, you, you know, know who you are. <laughs> um, anyway, there is so much about our universe that we do not know and we do not understand. Who knows what we will know in just a decade's time? What will we discover as the years go on? I often think that I was born in the wrong generation, but not wishing to be born in the past. I wish I was born later, if humanity develops intergalactic travel and it becomes the norm. I want to see planets colonized and the mysteries of space unlocked. For now, I'll have to settle for science fiction, like Mass Effect or Star Trek, and the depths of my imagination. And if I could go back and talk to little 13-year-old Megan, I would tell her to not fuck up her high school years by doing all the stupid shit, trying to make people think she was cool, and just study and go to college for um, astrophysics. My GPA at the end of high school was just not high enough because I fucked it my freshman and sophomore year. Mm. Well... It's never too late to go back. That's true. But Excuse me. Um, fascinating. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Ah, uh, man, I had something that came to mind, and then it's it's escaped. Oh, uh, you were just talking about uh, wanting to see it intergalactically. When Hopefully, we'll develop intergalactic travel and be able to do that. Yes. I have said for a very long time that... And I, you know, I know we talk about everything that happened in May and whatnot with the surgery and whatnot, but I legitimately hope that when we die, I don't know if you want to call it heaven or that's just what happens, but I hope that it's almost like a, you've got a remote control, almost like you've got the magic remote from Click. And you can just And you can go see, see anything, anything and everything you want throughout history. You can go back to... Beyond the Big Bang, you can go to the end of time. Yeah. You can see, you can go anywhere in human history. You can see what Julius Caesar really looked like. You can see yes. who killed Kennedy. You can see. You can learn you all can, the conspiracies that you've wondered in life. Like what Not even conspiracies. Just every everything. question. Yes. Everything you've ever wanted to know. That is my dream. Yeah. And that is what I hope happens at some point when we die. I... Yes, I 100% agree that that would be a wonderful afterlife. Um, I, I don't know. I had major existential dread <laughs> researching this. Yeah. Um, knowing that I'm not going to know what um, is at the end of the uh, Hercules uh, Corona Borealis. I, I mean, I had... Um, Dread knowing that I'm not going to actually learn what a great reactor is or what half the things in our universe are. That's um, just one of those things you got to accept and yeah. I guess move on with. Yeah. Damn. But that. It definitely. makes you think. It makes you realize how you called us a butterfly flapping in the day early on. Mm hmm. Oh, excuse me. It makes you realize how insignificant we really are on this, yeah. on our little dirt ball of a planet. Yeah. We're nothing in the scope of the universe. We're smaller than a grain of sand. Um, Several. Uh, 10,000. 
not even 10,000. Well, yeah, that's every star. Um, yeah, several uh, powers of 10. Yes. Yes. So, um, definitely a lot to think about. Um, and we won't get into the topic of death and what happens and beliefs and everything in this podcast, but, um, I do agree with Tyler. I would love to have a magical remote that lets me see whatever in the world I want. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whenever that would be yes. ideal. Yes, for sure. All right. That was lovely. I, I really enjoyed that. I hope everybody out there did too. And we're going to move on. Trivia with Tyler. I'm trying to set a record for going through an entire box of tissue. What are you signaling? Trying to say switch the camera. like. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Got to switch the camera. I forgot. I was going to keep you on big because I don't, nobody wants to see my oh. teary eye and oh, sorry. my nose drips and all that good stuff. Right. I, I've been trying to hide behind the microphone <laughs> as much as I can. Um, Anyway, I'm trying to set a record by going through uh, the most tissues, the in, most tissues in, in a podcast episode here. So, um, all right. Today's little second nugget is Popsicle was invented by an 11-year-old boy after he inadvertently left a glass of soda water with a stirring stick outside overnight in freezing weather. Later, during the Great Depression, he made the single pop into twins so that hungry children could share a pop for the same price as a single. Oh, that is wholesome and awesome. Yep. So <laughs> props to that kid. Hell yeah. Saw a business opportunity and took it. Hell yeah. Um, and let's finally do this. Final thoughts. All right, now that I know what Megan's hand signal for <laughs> flip the cameras is, <laughs> I, I know what that means next time. Yes, now when you see this, you can switch it. <laughs> I, yeah, I did this, but ew, that, wasn't, that wasn't wrong. That just, means roll over. Yeah, I just got a bow hair in my mouth. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Hopefully um, the air. All right, so I've been drinking on this thing, and let me tell you, folks, I've had like I like I mentioned I my first symptom was a sore throat last week I didn't really think that much about because it went away real quick. Um, I accidentally shot this thing the last two times I've drank it and I've been afraid to pick it back up. Uh oh! It has burnt so bad going down the back. Might just be because my throat hurts or I've got some kind of something going on back there. It definitely kicks up the burn. Yeah, it does, and so. Uh, I have not put any water in here yet, though. Yeah, you go ahead and do that with your weak old water. All right, there we go. I got a drop in there. All right. Um, as far as what it was like normally, I uh, it stayed consistent. It stayed uh, like a fastball down the middle. Yep. It just it, it is what it is. It's coming right at you. You you might be expecting the slider. You might be expecting the curveball, and it just blows right past you yep. or you know, or it, it gets you or 
that gets you or you get catch up to it and mm-hmm. hit it out of the park. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I didn't change any kind of smell with a drop of water. I don't think it normally does. But what about the taste? That is what I'm wondering about. It definitely mm, dulled it. Dulled it? It dulled everything but the burn. Oh, that's the, sad. The mint kind of came out. but And again, that might just be me, you know, struggling through. But yeah, it the... The flavors were not as more of more of that um, very like lacking of a front end mm-hmm. with a, a little bit of a leather at the back end and a mint burn. Hmm. Okay, that's weird. We'll have to try oh, it um, with some ice or something at home to see what you're talking about. Um, man, now that I've tasted this. I wish I could go back a couple episodes ago <laughs> when we did, um, was it Woody, Woody Creek? Was that it? Um, hold on. I'll pull it was it. whatever one Woody, I rated. Woody Creek, yep. It was a rye I rated, rated a 10, right? Yes. I want to go back and re-rate that one as an 8. Because this is better, noticeably better. And so I can't, I, do, I don't think that one's a 10 anymore. I don't want it to be a 10. This Ooh. is a 10. I really, really, really like the orange, and I just really like it. I don't know how to handle this. Should I let her re-rate that, or should I make her stick with her 10s? Because that's why I don't rate anything a 10, typically, for that very reason. I mean, that, yeah. I need to go back and, like, do all of my 10s and, like, do like a tens competition. Ooh, maybe we could have that be an episode, or maybe oh. actually, I have a great idea. Maybe for one of the episodes where I'm on vacation, I could you do could, that. You could come here and hell yeah. That. So you just got to witness a brainstorm session. All right, <laughs> whiskey I'll wonder just, style. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have to uh, teach you how to run all this. I think you got most of it. I got most of it. I don't have the YouTube stuff down. That's gonna be weird. Yeah, that's fine. I can show you. But everything I know how to run cool. everything else. So well, you guys can look forward to that episode uh, in February, probably fe- December, or February, probably February, probably February. Okay, yeah. Well, December's a little close. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, all right. So you want to go with a ten for this? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, hold on, I got to jot down here in my notes. I, I keep a written. Not to get too behind the scenes, I keep a written uh, catalog of what we rate things to, and so now I need to go back and change that. All right, so I'm going to allow it. I'm going to put you, you said an eight. No, keep it as a 10, because I want to go back and re, re-rate all my 10s. Okay, all right. So, so we'll, keep it as a 10. That'll, that'll be its own thing. You'll yeah. re-rate them all. Okay. Yeah, and then you can gotcha. do a special little symbol next to it on the website like you do for Oh, I'm running out of special, special symbols, but yeah, I'll see what I can do. Wingding it. Wing, wing dings it. Uh, I am going to have to go with... Um, I don't... I don't know how much of this is me not being a little bit under the weather or, or what, but it was... Hold on, sorry. I've got to <laughs> run a drip. Um, exactly what y'all want to hear. <laughs> yep. Uh, your beard is very like cut. 
Did you? I don't know if you got it groomed. I did. I went back to um, Brandon at uh, the guy that shaped my beard. Hi, Brandon. Uh, another shout out. His name is uh, Brandon uh, Sawyer, I believe. And his uh, Instagram is all I do is cut. And he is a local barber. So anybody in the area, if you're looking for a barber, I would recommend him. He is currently in Concord, but he just let me know he is moving to uh, South End here in about a month or so. Oh, sweet. That's, I get my hair done in South End. So um, shout out to Brandon. Yeah. Your beard looks very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I got a lot of compliments on it. Yeah. Good job, Brandon. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, my nose is just not cooperating right now. Uh, so uh, to make it short and sweet, since I'm having issues, I'm going to go with a good solid seven. All right. Um, not bad. It's, it's, it's above average by far and away, but it's nothing that I, I'm not upset that you're taking it home. Okay. I, I'll say it that way. It's above average, but I'm not upset that you're taking it home. Okay. All right. So, uh, guys, on that note, I am going to get let Megan do all the talking from here on out so I can blow my nose and <laughs> wipe my watery, weepy eye. And Oh, poor Tyler. <laughs> um, well, Tyler, uh, we all, speaking um, for both myself and all of our listeners, we hope you feel better. Um, Thank you. And we hope you don't get me sick. <laughs> Yes, very much. I've tried very hard to stay yes. at least like three, four, or five feet away. So yes, um, I also have been avoiding you as much as possible. Now I would probably wash your hands, though. I am going to yeah. wash my hands multiple times. Don't you worry. All right, so um, I guess we're reaching the end of this episode, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed learning about some of the things. Of- on space as much as I enjoyed teaching them uh, to you and researching them though. There was a lot of that research that got really scientific and really brain hurdy to try to decipher and understand. That's the best kind. That's true. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I don't have much else to say other than please email us at contact at whiskey and and please go to whiskey and and vote for your eight whiskeys that we should be doing on our end of year special yes make sure to select eight yes not four not two not six eight or any odd numbers yes eight eight is the golden number that everyone needs to select please that being said as usual thank you for joining with us thank you for donating thank you for all of the amazing wonderful things you are wonderful you are great we thank you so much have a good Don't drink and drive, and cheers. I'm from Jersey.